Hey guys, welcome to Feeling Good, Healing Better. My name is Adrienne and I'm your host. Welcome to another episode. How y'all feeling? What's up? What's happening? What's up in the club? How y'all doing? I'm feeling great today. I'm feeling great. I've been getting great sleep this week. Like rested. Even though I woke up a little bit late this morning, I did what I was going to do. I did what I said I was going to do, standing on business. Standing on business. Okay. Y'all are going to probably hear that term in every episode. But it really is the tone for 2024. Truly and honestly. And it honestly ties into what we're going to be talking about today, which is all about discipline. But before we get started with that, what have you guys done this week to feel good or heal better? Can be something small, can be something big, it's up to you. For me, what have I done this week or in this past week to feel good or heal better? I gave myself a gold star or like a reward. I've been doing really good on my habits and my routines since the beginning of the year. Really since before the beginning of the year, I was implementing some stuff. And I was like, all right, we've made it a significant of the way through. Let me treat myself. Because sometimes we can burn out a little bit when we're trying to do a whole bunch of stuff or really change your habits and your routines and moving in a way that you weren't moving before like that's that's a decision those are decisions day in and day out so anyway sometimes you have to treat yourself like a child you know when you were in kindergarten and first grade and you cleaned up your toys or whatever and you got your little gold star for the day sometimes you got to do that as an adult too so I rewarded myself by getting a new book I've been on a reading challenge of trying to read 10 pages a day which has been really nice because I've been reading but not consistently and I forgot about the joy that is getting a new book. Like, I don't know if y'all were readers when you were younger, but when I used to go to Barnes & Noble or Borders for the OGs, Borders that I don't think exist anymore, that was so exciting. My parents say you got X amount of money, go choose whatever book you want. Or the Scholastic Book Fair. I'm about to nerd out a little bit. But the Scholastic Book Fair, where you could have your plethora of books that was my jam but obviously as you get older and you start going to school you go to college and you gotta read all these textbooks and these articles and these journals and all that I don't know about y'all but for me I didn't really enjoy reading for pleasure anymore once I got to college I was like I got so much stuff that I gotta read and retain who has time to be reading books on the outside of that but then you realize one books can still be exciting and then two <laughs> two it's helpful to just expand your brain, expand your knowledge, be transported to a different world. Even if you're reading fictional books or non-fictional books, you can still place yourself in another era, place yourself in another person's mind. And I think that's really cool. So anyway, I feel like I've re-sparked my joy for reading, which is awesome and a great way for me, I think, in terms of my entrance into 2024. So, yes, do a little bit of thinking. What have y'all done this week to feel good or heal better? I hope that y'all take that little nugget with you through the rest of the week. Maybe write it down. If you're doing a little gratitude journal, maybe do that. You know, actually, on that note, I saw this thing on TikTok where this girl created this ta-da list. <laughs> I don't know why I said that like that, but it's basically like a gratitude list, but she made it in her notes on her phone. Anytime something went well, she wrote it down in her notes. So then at the end of the month or the end of the year, she could look back and see it. And I like it because it's very accessible because it's on your phone. 
versus I don't always have my journal with me. I don't have a specific gratitude journal, but I imagine that most of you guys probably don't carry it with you all the time. Or if you do, shout out to you. That's awesome. But having it in the phone is easy to just write down, even if it's something simple. Like I went to the dentist the other week and my dentist said a whole blessing over my life, y'all. Like it was so random. But at the end, we were having a good time. We were chatting it up. She was talking about her daughter was pregnant. I was like, that is amazing. And she was talking about all these things that she's learned. She was a little bit of an older lady. And she was talking about all these things that she's learned over the years. And at the end, she was like, do you mind if I put a blessing over your life? I said, absolutely not, ma'am. What? Absolutely not. So anyway, I wrote that down in my little to-da list. And it's a good reminder when you're a little bit down or you're having a crazy day. Just going back to that list to be like, wow, all these really cool things happened or all these amazing things have happened and I'm still making progress. So anyway, let's get started with our topic for today. So if y'all didn't know by the title, let's be real. <laughs> today, today's episode is about discipline. Discipline. Okay. So let's start with the little conversation about why does discipline matter now we all know that all of the super famous people rich people that you hear about you read their biography you listen to their interviews whatever most people are talking about discipline getting up at the 5 a.m doing what you say that you're gonna do drinking your water taking your supplements all that kind of stuff but let's break it down a little bit in terms of the differences between motivation and discipline a lot of times at the beginning of the year, we all are super motivated, right? It's turning over a new leaf. You're starting this new page of this new year. Everybody is super motivated and has the energy to be like, oh, yes, I'm going to change my life. The thing about motivation is that it ebbs and flows. It can be very short term where if you're just driving off of motivation, that might only take you a week, two weeks, maybe two months. But it's not going to drive you all the way through the achievement of this goal. Most goals that we're trying to accomplish are long term and they require some sustainability, which is where your discipline comes in. Even when you look at the construct of the beginning of the year, most people have more time. People are still transitioning back to work. You have less things probably on your plate because people are transitioning from the holiday. You just have a little bit more breathing room, or at least that's how I feel at the beginning of the year. Once we hit November, at the end of the year, I feel like November through February, I can breathe a little bit. I don't have as many meetings on calendar. I don't have as many things that I have signed up for. It's a great way to celebrate the holidays and step back from things, but it's not always the most realistic with what the rest of your life for the rest of the year might look like. So a lot of times when I think about discipline, I not only think about super rich people and celebrities, but I tend to actually think about people who have been in the military, super bound to very specific times and routines. And if you don't abide by that specific time or that duty that you're supposed to do, there's some sort of usually negative consequence. And you hear a lot of people who have been in the military talk about the mental toll and mental challenges that they had to go through in order to develop that sense of discipline. But it, it usually sticks with them. At least I personally feel like for the rest of their life. And so I started looking into that. I was like, okay, well, what is what is the thing that makes somebody disciplined versus not? Like, I kind of saw it as something that, yes, I knew it was something that you could develop, but 
I also was very much so the thought that some people are just born with it or their environment creates someone or certain aspects of your personality and your being being that type of person if you grew up in a household or one of your parents was in the military or both of your parents were in the military which shout out to you and it was a super disciplined household where again you had your certain duties you had your chores at a certain time and that's just the world that you grew up in I imagine that it might be a little bit easier for you to have your self-discipline you think about somebody who was at the top of their game like Kobe Bryant rest in peace but one thing that he has always been known for is this ruthless amount discipline. Are you going to get up and do the work, stay late and do the work? Like, basically no excuses. And as we are transitioning into 2024, and I know that for myself, I have a lot of really big goals that I want to accomplish. One thing that I was reflecting on at the end of the year was like, how am I going to make this next year different? Every year I have these big goals and I say these things. Sometimes it's successful, sometimes it's not. We already talked a little bit about the planning last episode with a 12-week year, but the plan is only as good as your choice to engage in said plan. You can make a plan. That's cool. You know, have it as your little desktop, have your little vision board or whatever on your iPhone. But if you're not actively doing the things in a consistent manner, it doesn't matter. And so realizing that sometimes you might have discipline well worked out in some areas. For instance, for me, discipline in regards to work, it's like I either have to do my job or I don't. And if I don't do my job, I'm probably going to get fired. So it's not really a question of whether or not I'm going to do the work. But when it comes to my self-development and things that only I know that I'm doing for myself, that's a little bit harder. I don't know if some of you guys relate to that, but sometimes when there's not that external and extrinsic motivation for me, it's a little bit harder for me to choose that level of discipline because it gets hard and it gets difficult. When we think about discipline, I really think that it's just extrapolation of the strength of your willpower. We've all been blessed with this ability to choose and make our own decisions. But that willpower, that control that you either have to exert to do something or to restrain impulses is huge and maybe the biggest factor in that discipline or in the ability to attain discipline. One thing I started thinking about is, okay, well, if we're all given the willpower to make these decisions and to, quote, be more disciplined, why do we often find ourselves in a position where we are not doing right by ourselves? <laughs> And are not achieving the goals that we're setting out to do due to a lack of consistency or lack of continuing to put in that work day in and day out. I think one part of this that adds to some obstacles, I'll say, to being disciplined or staying with a high amount of willpower is a false feeling of completion. And what I mean by that is proactively and preemptively sharing your goals with everybody in the world. Now, I think that there's a very thin balance here where sometimes it's good to share what you're doing because you can have accountability buddies, or I like to call them accountability buddies. Like you can have people who can help push you and motivate you and support you 
prime example is like, all right, me and my friend are going to this workout class at six o'clock. If I don't go, then dang, I'm going to leave my friend behind or my friend is coming to come pick me up for said class. You got two people who are working towards the same goal. Sometimes it can also be a little bit negative, though, too, because if your friend is like, I'm not going to this class, then you're like, well, day. Like, if my friend's not going, then do I really need to go? But anyway, sometimes you can have people who can help support you in achieving that goal. But sometimes we get the satisfaction of completing something just by announcing that we're doing it, but not actually doing the work. When I started this podcast, I put it on my social media and everybody was like, oh my God, I'm so proud of you. This is so awesome. And I appreciate that. And thank you to all of y'all who wrote those really kind messages. I am super excited that y'all are excited about it because I am too. But there's a difference between people saying congrats in anticipation versus me actually seeing this podcast through to completion. And if I just took the emotions that I was feeling with like, oh, yeah, thanks, y'all. Thanks so much. I'm trying to do this thing. I could have stopped right there. Like the feeling of satisfaction could have stopped right there without really going through the process and what will be the hard things that come with trying to produce or do something new or achieve this goal or lose this weight or launch this business, whatever it is, you can apply it to anything that you're trying to achieve. So switching a little bit, I wanted to talk about the relationship between pain and dopamine in your brain. So dopamine is a neurotransmitter. It's also known as the feel-good hormone. People relate it to things that are pleasurable and gives you the motivation to do something when you're feeling good. It's part of our reward system and it's basically designed to reward you for things that you need to do to survive. Eating, drinking, winning a competition, reproducing, all those things. And our brains are kind of hardwired to move towards certain behaviors that release dopamine in our system. Obviously, it feels good. Why would I stop doing it? One thing that is interesting in the research about dopamine is that it has a balance between itself and pain, basically meaning that they are equal and opposite of one another. So if you increase your level of dopamine, there's also an increased level of pain. If you increase your level of pain, there's an increased level of dopamine. So what do I mean by that? Basically doing hard things that have a larger amount of uncomfort or pain, let's say in the general sense, leads to a larger amount of dopamine. We take a really hard workout class. You're doing those final 30 seconds of that plank. At the end, boom, all this dopamine is released. On the opposite end, you increase your level of dopamine. Let's say you're on social media, you're on TikTok. You're continuously looking at these videos over and over again. After you exit out of that app, you might feel down. You might feel a little bit of anxiety. And it's not just necessarily you potentially being addicted to this app. It's that there's a balance between this dopamine and this pain, which I personally think is huge. Where it's like, okay, I can control basically the amount of dopamine that's being released in my brain based on what my actions are and trying to level set that balance a little bit more. So there's a book that's called Dopamine Nation by Dr. Anna, I think Anna Limke or Ann Limke, who basically talks about this balance and how in the state of the world that we're in now with all of the 
dopamine hits through like news headlines or through apps such as TikTok or Instagram that are catered to continuously spiking that dopamine, we're finding or the research is finding that there are very off-balance amounts of synthetic dopamine or like artificial dopamine that's being created. So you're on the apps for 30 minutes. That dopamine level is just continuing to increase, meaning that the pain associated when we are not on that app is also continuing to increase. And you kind of have this bolus where you never get that same feeling of the high that you had when you first opened up TikTok for the first time. Which I think is really interesting because there are ways that we can alter our process to have a better balance of the dopamine and pain levels. And how this ties into discipline is that a lot of times when you're saying that you want to increase your discipline or be a more disciplined person, it requires you doing things that you don't want to do, which in essence are painful. But then being able to connect it to this dopamine, you say, hey, let's say you have a really tough day. Your day is full of a whole bunch of tasks and you knock out all the things that you're supposed to do. You finish that day feeling happy and accomplished. And I never really thought about that in like a scientific way. I was like, "Okay, yeah, I did it. Cool. But it's really because you got this amount of uncomfort done and you finish these things that you said that you were going to do, even if you didn't want to do them. And you left with an equal and opposite amount of dopamine, therefore feeling accomplished, therefore feeling happy, therefore feeling these reward centers of pleasure. So continuing to kind of dig into that scientific understanding of discipline, there is also an element of this that increases your brain capacity. Not only does increasing your level of discipline or doing these hard things align with your hormones and your hormonal balances, but it also increases something in your brain that's called the anterior mid-cingulate cortex. Now, what is that? It's also known as the AMCC. That's what we're going to call it for today. And it's a spot in your brain that is really kind of like this hub that does a lot of different neurological tasks and activities. Like it's related to reward, it's related to motivation, is related to regulation of your emotions. So I know some of y'all are like, girl, why do I care? Let me tell y'all, because I too was like, what is your AMCC? I've never heard of this before. Why is this even important? So your AMCC plays a really big role in anything that is related to your critical thinking and your emotional regulation. It specifically helps with processes that are related to attention regulation. How do you stay focused on a task? Decision-making, whether or not that's cognitive or in social situations, your empathy and being able to understand different perspectives, your emotions, and particularly around conflict resolution, how are you able to regulate your emotions when it comes to uncertainty, which is really every emotional situation, right? Like you get in an argument with somebody, you don't know what the outcome is going to be. That's probably why you're upset or you're anxious or whatever the emotion is. And then lastly, being able to assess or adjust your behavior based on previous events? How are you learning from experiences that you already have? So in my opinion, your AMCC plays a pretty large role in how you are just moving as a person, like how you're critically thinking, how you're able to understand and unpack your emotions, and then how you show up in your relationships with other people in terms of your empathy and in terms of 
what emotions come out in those relationships. Now, what they have found recently, and recently, I mean, within the last, I think, couple of months, maybe last year, is that your AMCC has the ability to not only grow and shrink, but it grows bigger if you do something that you don't want to do. If you continue to do something that you didn't want to do before. Now, what is this related to? It's related to your willpower. What we were talking about a little bit at the beginning of the episode. Like how a lot of times I feel like when I'm looking into how do I become more disciplined, how do I gain more willpower? The reality is that you just have to do the things that suck and the things that you don't want to do in order to increase that willpower. You have to get above this bit of resistance and this barrier to complete the task. So then I started thinking, if this area, this AMCC of your brain gets larger, or it has the ability to grow or shrink and can increase, which therefore I would think helps you with the regulation of your emotions more, helps you have increased cognitive ability. I started thinking about what does that mean for us as Black people? We already know through epigenetics and other avenues that there is a lot of generational and genealogic. Is that a word? I think so. Genealogic-based trauma that just exists in our DNA. And if we have had very traumatic events that have happened in our history, are we already predisposed to having a smaller AMCC on the onset of just our existence? Now, I hope that y'all know by now that I'm not a neurologist, I'm not a psychologist, I'm not a psychiatrist, none of those things. This is just my own thought process of this. But it makes you think about if there's a connection between the size of your AMCC and neurological disorders that we don't even today understand how they happen, such as Alzheimer's disease, such as multiple sclerosis. And if there is actually a generational trauma impact to your AMCC that's making it smaller just on the onset of our existence as Black people, and we have the ability to increase that, therefore decreasing our possibility of having some of these neurological disorders, then that means we just got to be for real, y'all, and do what we said we're going to do. <laughs> Back to our topic at hand. Just something to think about. I haven't been able to find specific research that connects the size of your AMCC to race and ethnicity or things that specifically point to your AMCC being a primary indicator of neurological disorders. But I do think that is an interesting thought exercise, especially if there are things that we can be doing now that can potentially help our brain health in the future. I actually just had a conversation with somebody the other day where we were talking about why discipline, why self-discipline is so difficult. Could you think about a friend or a partner? If they ask you, let's say you're laying down on the couch and they ask you like, oh, could you please wash the dishes? Could you take out the trash? You would do it in a heartbeat. And why would you do it? Because you care about that person. And it would make that person's life easier. Or maybe they have a whole bunch of other stuff going on and you know that that would help ease their day. Now, when we think about that and flip it on ourselves, like, why can't we not do that for ourselves? Like, yeah, it's hard. I might not want to get off the couch and wash these dishes or take that trash out, but prioritizing yourself to be able to do those hard things and show up for yourself day in and day out. Putting yourself at a high standard in the same way that we often put other people at, it pushes you to find who am I at my core? 
Like when I say that I'm going to do something, am I actually going to stick with what I said I was going to do or am I going to give up? And I hate to be blunt about it because I don't mean for it to come off abrasive, but I think that a lot of times, myself included, we get stuck in trying to find these hacks to life. You can argue that the 12-week year is a hack, but we're always kind of looking, at least for me, I'm always like, oh, okay, how, did, how, did, how are people doing it? Like, is it something that, again, you're just born with or is it something that you can, you can continuously get better at? And the reality is that you can continuously get better at it, but the other reality is that you just kind of have to do it. Like, there is no other option but to do it and to be consistent with it. Otherwise, what I always say is like, you cannot be mad. If you wanted to make the time, you would make the time. And if you wanted to prioritize yourself, you would prioritize yourself. And I think that that's a big learning, at least for me, moving towards my late 20s slash early 30s. It's a big learning for me where it's nobody's responsibility but yours. And every day that you wake up, it's you versus you. And you have to choose yourself if you want to make your life better and change your life. It is a choice. Sometimes it gets easier. Sometimes you might backslide a little bit, but the discipline is what's going to give you the result that you want. And having the combination with your systems is what's going to continuously increase your willpower and make it easier to make hard decisions. And that I think is just life. Life is full of hard decisions, life is full of your own decisions. And something I've been asking myself is just, who is the person that I want to be? What is the type of life that I want to live? Time is passing, whether or not you want it to or not. So what are you going to do with that time? So to end this on a lighter note, I feel like discipline is always super, like, serious. Like, we're in the trenches. And I think realizing that discipline can be a beautiful thing and that it is something that is necessary for you to live a fruitful life, I think it's a way to kind of frame our perspective. Instead of thinking about it as being something that is more negative or something that's going to be hard, realizing that discipline is there to help you become the version of yourself that you want to be. And if that's not motivating, then I don't know what to tell y'all for real, because there's always areas, at least for me, that I'm like, I can improve in this area. I can improve in this area. And I hope that that continues to be my story for the rest of my life. I hope to get better at some of these things. Absolutely. But I hope that for the rest of my life, I'm like, oh, okay, I can do this better. I can be better in this area. Like, that's what keeps you on your toes. That's what keeps you evolving as a person and impacting the world the way that you are meant to do. And the discipline is really the key that's going to get you from point A to point B. So that's what I have for you guys today. All things about discipline. We talked a little bit about this false feeling of completion and being cognizant of how you share your goals. Not only because of this false feeling, but also because some people are just going to be haters. Like, let's just call it a bug. Some people are just going to be haters and are actively praying for your downfall. So being careful in how you share your goals and the things that you're working towards and what things are just you versus you. Thinking about that relationship of pain and dopamine and trying to have a natural balance of the two and realizing that completion of these painful things or these uncomfortable things can also result in the same type of dopamine that you can feel 
when you're looking at these social media apps or when you're eating this piece of chocolate, you can still create that dopamine in what I think is maybe a healthier way. And then lastly, how discipline can actually increase your brain capacity and can increase the size of your AMCC, which allows you to have more willpower in the future, which I think is pretty cool. I hope you guys enjoyed it. If you guys are trying to work on your discipline or trying to think about ways to increase the level of discipline that you have in your life, let me know. Add a little comment at the end of the podcast. Add us at Feeling Good, Healing Better on Instagram. I know that for me, that's one of the big things that I'm trying to work on this year. We're starting off strong. I'm not even gonna lie to y'all, we starting off strong. Today, I woke up late and still made it to the class that I signed up for, even when I really just had 20 minutes to spare. I was there, I was there. It was raining, it was cold, but I made it. Anyway, I hope this was motivating to you guys. I hope that you found something interesting out of today's episode. And I hope that you continue to feel good and heal better. And I'll see you next time.